0: well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed welcome to another edition of bearing arms cam and company my name is cam edwards i'm so glad you're with me on the program today we're gonna to be talking with the chuck michelle of the california rifle and pistol association and the second amendment law center here in just a minute or two yesterday oral arguments held in california in uh, two challenges to california's handgun roster Uh, We'll uh, get the latest from Chuck on that, as well as uh, get his thoughts on uh, where we are with the uh, upcoming Rahimi case at the Supreme Court. Uh, Before we get to that conversation, however, Biden's America, well, it's crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation, pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch meat next time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that is why you should call my friends at gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 company of the year with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. Right now, they're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today... Qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. So, yes, things are continuing to heat up in the uh, courts around the country. You've got a a new lawsuit filed in federal court taking on Maryland's red flag law. Covered that at the Bearing Arms yesterday. But, again, uh, action in the Ninth Circuit as well regarding California's handgun roster and all of the uh, models that are not available because they don't meet California's definition of a safe handgun, uh, including micro-stamping, loaded uh, uh, chamber indicators, things of that nature. Now. The future, California's handgun roster, very much in doubt after oral arguments yesterday. Let's get the latest from Chuck Michelle of the California Rifle and Pistol Association and the Second Amendment Law Center. Take a look and a listen. Chuck, thanks so much for coming to the program, sir. A lot of stuff to talk about today. Glad you could be with us for a few minutes.
1: Yeah, the action is hot and heavy in multiple, multiple places. So I'm glad I'm uh, get a chance to tell you about it.
0: It is. We're going to be uh, verbally jet-setting around the country here over the next few minutes because um, we're going to talk about the Rahimi case uh, at SCOTUS. But before we do that, I want to touch on the oral arguments yesterday regarding uh, California's handgun roster. Uh, we had a good decision at the district court level, correct? Two good decisions, actually.
1: There's two sort of parallel cases. Uh, with the CRPA's case is Boland, and then there's a Second Amendment Foundation case, uh, Renee. And they were both argued one right after the other in the Ninth Circuit yesterday.
0: OK, so we're, we're talking about, you know, California's handgun roster for folks who don't know. Uh, in order to be sold in the state of California, the state mandates that you have to have micro stamping, you have to have uh, what, a, a loaded chamber uh, indicator. A
1: loaded chamber indicator and a magazine disconnect lock so that if you have one round in the chamber, but no magazine of the gun, it won't fire.
0: Okay, and unless you have those things, uh, no handguns uh, or you you just can't sell that handgun model uh, in California. So just briefly, I know we we can go into the legal weeds here, but um, how do you feel? I mean, the Ninth Circuit historically hostile to our Second Amendment rights. How do you feel about how yesterday's oral arguments went?
1: Well, we had we had a, a, a three judge panel and two of those judges were definitely one was particularly hostile. Uh, and she just wanted to monopolize the entire hearing. I'm trying to shut my phone off for you. Uh, she wanted to monopolize the entire hearing, uh, and and just ask a bunch of questions that were way off base, way off track. You know, Bruin laid out the, the way you're supposed to approach these things, and there's been a lot of distortion of what that what type of arms are protected under keeping the the, the text of the Second Amendment to begin with. And then what historical analogs meet the the requirement of, of a, a relevant analog uh, that would show that the founders would tolerate the kind of law being uh, challenged today. And she just wasn't having it. Uh, you know, we recently got a great decision from the Ninth Circuit on butterfly knives that got it right. Mm -hmm. And we cited that to her, and she like poo pooed that. You know, it's amazing the ideological divide (laughs) among the judges. I mean, they go in there with preconceived biases and and looking for a preconceived result, and then they kind of just adjust the 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 means to get to their end. And that's kind of what happened. Now, we uh, uh, CRPA's lawyer Aaron Murphy did a great job uh, under those circumstances responding and trying to set her straight. And and frankly, she upstaged the other two judges. It was hard to tell exactly where they were coming from. Okay. Uh, because she was just monopolizing the entire conversation, the entire argument.
0: Okay. All right. Well, we will uh, keep our eyes on what's going on in the ninth. Uh, I, I got to say, we're yeah. probably going
1: to lose that two to one if I was, you know, if I don't, I'm not, I'm not batting a hundred with, with <laughs> all these predictions, but uh, if you can read the bench, that's probably where it's going, and so we may be uh, going to either on-bank or potentially straight to the Supreme Court, uh, depending on what that ruling actually says. And and hey, I have all my digits crossed. We might still get lucky, <laughs> might swing one of those judges, uh, and then we'll see if the state goes on-bank. But obviously, they you know there there's a lot of resistance, particularly in California, and still on some of those. Uh, liberal progressive slash judges in the ninth circuit. Remember it's about 50-50 now based mm-hmm. on the Trump administration. Uh, but still, we we you know they 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 didn't really get it. That you know the fact is because of those requirements, there's thousands of models of guns that are available in other states suited to an individual's particularized needs, like they're left-handed or they have a small hand or, you know, they wanted caliber for whatever reason they choose a specific caliber, Uh, they they can't buy in California. You're limited to about 200 models. They may come in different colors, but there's still a very narrow choice available out here. And that's that. I
0: don't know how you say that's not a handgun ban. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this particular issue, but Supreme Courts made it clear you can't ban an entire class of firearms uh, like handguns. Uh, you know, this uh, california the 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 argument that, well, even though you can't buy many handguns, you can still buy a few. Um and I, 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 I'm not an attorney, certainly not on the Ninth Circuit, but uh, that argument doesn't really fly with me. Um all right, now I want to turn our attention to what's do? going on with Rahimi because uh, this has been a a big week. We've seen dozens of briefs filed. Uh, in defense of the government's position, right, that uh, uh, the issuing of a domestic violence restraining order uh, should automatically preclude anybody from uh, keeping and bearing arms. And, you know, Chuck, I mean, just going through some of the folks who have filed here, you've got the ACLU uh, filing on behalf of the government, right? you got Gavin Newsom, uh, prosecutors against gun violence, global action on gun violence, uh, Jonathan Lowey, formerly of Brady, uh, his group, uh, arguing that in fact uh, Heller got it wrong that there is no individual right to keep and bear arms. Um, over on the the uh, pro Second Amendment side, um, you and the Second Amendment Law Center are doing an awful lot of work to uh, to, to to buttress, or I should say, to uh, to rebut uh, all of these uh, amicus briefs that have been filed uh, on behalf of DOJ's position. Right? What well, can you tell me about what Second Amendment Law Center is doing right now?
1: Well, Second Amendment Law Center has been involved in multiple states, you know, Delaware, Illinois, California, uh, uh, Maryland, Oregon. uh, I mean, Hawaii was a big one uh, on either mostly on sensitive place restrictions where you're they're going to invalidate your CCW. And, you know, every, you know, uh, any place within a thousand feet of a a, a stop sign, uh, you know, they just overbrought or. The semi-auto or or standard capacity magazine bans, uh, and so we've been doing an, a great job there. In fact, one of our briefs was cited by the Hawaii court in ruling that this the Hawaii's law banning CCWs in most of the throughout most of the state was unconstitutional. But Rahimi is our heaviest lift by far so far. Uh, there's almost forty briefs filed by all the usual suspects. Uh, and And it's interesting to see who filed these briefs because they really are the leaders in the gun ban movement in, in the gunman cause. Some of them are are you know women's rights. you know, domestic violence is a serious concern. Let's not uh, uh, misunderstand you know what I'm saying here we We could should try and do things to protect women from domestic violence, but uh, the question that we really need to get to is can you condemn an entire class of people uh, just because they got a restraining order or they uh, uh, occasionally smoke marijuana or they have a nonviolent felony conviction or a certain number of misdemeanor convictions that, you know, this goes back to uh, banning guns. That, you know, Native Americans couldn't possess guns. Why? Because we didn't we wanted to take away their power to to. to Fight back as we uh, as we steamrolled over them, you know, a while ago, or freed slaves. The the there's the second the core Second Amendment question in Rahimi, which we have to brief, and, and they have got just the the other side has just gone nuts trying to get rid of Heller and McDonald, uh, Heller and Bruin entirely, trying to argue when the appropriate time period is for looking for historical analogs, uh, trying to go back and reargue what militia really meant. Uh and obviously all these briefs, as usual, are soaked with emotional appeals and 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 how victims have been, you know, killed by domestic abusers. Uh they want to go back to the balancing test again, where the, the state can say, well, this is in the interest of public safety, so all, all your individual rights be damned. Um but the big issue aside from those Second Amendment questions, is, is this due process question. And due process, uh, you know, you you in the 14th Amendment and one of the other bills of rights, you are entitled to due process uh, before you can lose your rights. So if you're going to be convicted of a crime, you have to have an indictment served against you, and you have a right to see what... what witnesses there are against you and you have a right to go to trial and you have a right to a jury of your peers, at least in theory. Uh, So that's all the due process argument. So we're going to have to brief not just the Second Amendment arguments, but also this due process argument about how people should be entitled to individualized due process. You can't just say that because you smoke marijuana, you can't own a gun. What's the connection there? There has to be, you know, if if somebody smokes marijuana and it makes him violent or her violent, hey, that's a different question. Let's look at that individual and see if he or she should lose her Second Amendment rights. But you can't just say anybody who ever smoked a joint can't own a gun, uh, which is what some of these classification bans do.
0: Yeah, because Rahimi is not the only case dealing with uh, Section nine twenty two G, right? So you've got uh, uh, Range versus Garland out of the Third Circuit, and that deals with a guy named Brian Range who was convicted in Pennsylvania of a crime that was it was a misdemeanor offense, but it was punishable by more than a year in prison. And so under federal law, that means that Brian Range is a prohibited person. This was a nonviolent misdemeanor. He apparently uh, falsified his income on a, 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 a I believe right. it was a food stamp application. Um, then you've got the cases; uh, there, there are a couple of them uh, out of the Fifth Circuit, but I know that there have been some others around the country dealing with unlawful users of drugs uh, possessing firearms. So, you know, is one of the concerns about Rahimi that that the decision will will be so broad that it will then encompass some of these other cases as well, Chuck? That that the Supreme yes. Court would just yeah. you know say, yeah. 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 Whatever it is you know, the, the, this whole statute is fine and dandy. And then uh, we we don't get into the issue of dangerousness. We don't get into the issue of individualized due process. Um, that is a concern for you. Absolutely.
1: Th- th- remember, there's there's kind of three types of gun laws, bad, bad guns. You know, semi autos, standard cap mags, uh, bad, bad, bad places, you know, you can't have the gun here, there or the other place and and bad people. And so we would rather have the, the places or the type of guns heard first. Uh, but this is a bad people case. And so the question is, uh, what are they going to do? How is the Supreme Court? I think they want to allow states to disarm. People who are dangerous and how do they do that? Without, can they do, is there a way to do that? And this is what we're gonna have to argue. There's a way to do that without banning an entire class. You just have to give them individualized due process. But how the Supreme Court deals with that and how the judges, the justices, uh, you know, especially uh, uh, Conan Barrett and, and, and Roberts, how are they going to uh, decide that this guy can be disarmed individually without watering down Bruin or Heller. Uh, Now, there's a lot of things that really do need to be clarified by the Supreme Court, because the states have done a great job in in this. I don't want to say a great job. They've done a clever job in uh, other cases of of totally uh, mucking up the works when it comes to how to apply Bruin. They're now claiming that the only arms that are covered by the Second Amendment are arms in common use for self-defense. That's how they're contorting the analysis. That's not, that's not the textual text. Because think about it. If those are the only arms that the Second Amendment covers, then what does that mean? Hunting rifles are not covered? Yep. Target-grade match rifles are not covered? Only self-defense is the only thing that the Second Amendment is about? No. That's never. That's not what Bruin said. That's not what Heller said. That happened to be what was involved in those particular cases because we were dealing with self-defense, having a handgun for self-defense in the home in Heller and having a handgun for self-defense outside the home in Bruin. But, but that's not to say that they can ban, you know, target rifles or hunting rifles, but that's the way the state has gotten, gotten some courts to read it. So that needs to be clarified. You know what, this they're going, they're trying to go back to a two step process. It's not supposed to be a two step process. Step one is just a question Is it a bearable arm? If it's a bearable arm, then it's presumptively protected. Now they're going to get into grenades and all this. And there's a difference between things that go bang and things that go boom. Indiscriminate arms, maybe that's where some kind of a line is drawn. I, I'm not saying where the line is drawn because right. I don't know. That's what the Supreme Court to say. But, uh, uh, the fact is that it's been distorted. The test has been distorted successfully in some cases by states. Then the second question is, OK, what are the relevant historical analogs that actually serve to show that the to- the founders would have tolerated this? And so, for example, yesterday in the Boland argument, the judge was trying to argue that, that the fact that they regulated where black powder could be possessed and in what quantities, because it was a fire hazard. Remember, everything's built of wood, you know, uh, so they don't want to have fires. They don't have the fire department rolling up in a red truck with fire hydrant. Uh, so there was a lot of regulation of storage, fi- uh, powder storage. She's ready, willing, and able to accept that as, oh, the same thing. It's a safety protocol. and But that's not that's not the test. You're supposed to say, why did they regulate it? How did they regulate it? And why did they regulate it? And in the case of those storage laws, they how was quantities and and where, and how was limiting quantities, and that's not the same as imposing uh, a loaded chamber indicator or a magazine disconnect lock on any handgun that's sold. There was also proving laws where they would test a barrel to make sure it didn't explode, and so but all these laws were limited. These were not like a national program. And that's not a bad idea to have some kind of manu. You know, I'm not against all manufacturing standards. I don't want to have ju- guns that explode. Of course, that's not going to last long because as soon as one does, that manufacturer is going to be sued out of business. The problem right that The are circling like vultures, waiting for that to happen. Uh, but but you know, if you want to have a test that says this barrel will understand certain will withstand certain uh, psi and it won't blow up on you, that's probably not a bad thing. But then to say, before you can buy this gun, it has to have a feature that you probably don't want. Police don't want, you know, a, a, a magazine disconnect lock because they may need that last round. Uh, and uh, they don't want a loaded, cha- there's so many different kinds of loaded chamber indicators. The the state of California basically wants you to put on the side and, you know, braille and 14 different languages. You know, that this is how, you can tell if this gun is loaded. It's not just a simple peephole, which, by the way, screws up ballistics, even putting that in. But but, but so this is just the, the second test that we have to try and flesh out going back to Rahimi is what are relevant historical analogs that actually can be used to show that the founders in 1791 would have tolerated a modern-day law. And so judges will bend over backwards to say, oh, this is good enough. that shows the, founder, the founders would, uh, you know, they were concerned about gun safety, so this is all about gun safety, so we're going to uphold this law. Okay. So the question for is, what bans against certain types of people were there historically that would reflect, that would show that there was some kind of tolerance? And so they have to point to disarming Native Americans and disarming freed slaves. Because those were the things that, that uh, really, those were the, the groups that we didn't want having guns. And Catholics.
0: Don't forget yeah. the Catholics, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's been all kinds of uh, political uh, uh, disfavored groups that they'd love to disarm and that's go, that goes right back to how about Jews in 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 Nazi Germany i mean you know it, it, first thing you do you take away the guns and then you can dominate that race or that religion so yep. that's the second test that we hope remi or will clarify so there could be some good coming out of it if it really straightens out some of the things that the courts have been doing wrong below but the risk is that they will approve some kind of a blanket uh, ban that lets the state you know, say Catholics can't have guns or, you know, people with, you know, uh, uh, over six feet tall can't have guns, whatever the distinction is that the state artificially wants to draw.
0: Yeah. Hey, listen, we've only got a couple of minutes left here, but I want to ask you, um, what can we do? I, I, us non-lawyer types uh, who are, you know, we don't just want to be sitting on the sideline but we're not going to be arguing in front of the Supreme Court. What can we do right now to help uh, folks like yourself, Dave Kopel, uh, Steve Hallbrook, you know, all of whom, by the way, are part of the segment of Law Center. Um, what can we do to help your efforts in in pushing back against, you know, this onslaught of uh, amicus briefs that have been filed?
1: So, as I mentioned, this is this is uh, this is the heaviest lift we've ever taken on. And it's probably the most important in many respects. I mean, this is a Supreme Court case. Whatever the United States Supreme Court says applies nationally will be used for or against uh, uh, gun laws in the future uh, that we want to challenge. And there's plenty that shouldn't be on the books at all. So we really need people to help support the Second Amendment Law Center. Right now, we got a little promotion going on where you get a challenge coin that that shows you're kind of a member of the team. Folks know what a challenge coin is. This is something that the military used to give out. Like everybody who was on a certain ship uh, would get a challenge coin for that ship. And then uh, uh, it shows you're kind of part of that team. Uh, People got them for uh, good performance or heroic acts or whatever. And then it shows you're part of a a kind of an elite group. And also the the funniest part of it was uh, if you carry your challenge coin uh, on the boat and you're in a bar and you see a member of your team and he doesn't have his challenge coin and you show him his and he can't show you, you show him yours and he can't show you his. He's got to buy you a drink. So. We're, anybody who donates over $75 gets a challenge going to be part of the team, part of the Second Amendment Law Center. But look, whatever you can do to help us, 2ALC.org, help us out, because we've got a, a lot of lawyers that are going to have to put in a lot of hours uh, uh, to, to, to really put together a powerful, meaningful, comprehensive response to these 40 briefs by the, by the gun ban
0: lobbyists when is your uh, deadline? When when when, when do uh, when do the uh, briefs in support of the plaintiff have to be filed?
1: In, in like, a, uh, uh, I want to say, f- I think we're seeking an extension, so it would be like three weeks or four weeks. Okay, but it's coming up fast. Yeah, it's coming up fast. So you know, we need folks really now, and none of this goes in my pocket, by the way. None of this goes. I do a lot of pro bono, and so do a lot of the other folks on the team. But there's some folks with other groups that you know, uh, we wanna help support, uh, not just with finances and funding. Remember the parties to the case, and by the way, this is a federal public defenders case. Mm-hmm. Not a, you know, this is not a gun rights group case, uh, but the parties to a case cannot write, they cannot fund, they cannot uh, contribute really to an amicus campaign. It has to be done independently. And that's why the, T- the Second Amendment Law Center really uh, plays a critical role In not just in all these cases, but in Rahimi Rahimi now is the front and center spotlight, urgent action required fast. So whatever folks can do to help us out there and sign up for our bulletins there uh, on 2ALC.org. So you keep you're kept in the loop. You can sign up for uh, the national alerts. You can find up, find up, sign up for alerts for your specific state. We know we're involved in all those battleground states. We're doing the Lord's work. So, you know, help us get it done. Help us bring it home. We need a win in Rahimi. We need some things clarified, but we do not need to have give the state and the state the ability to say that, uh, you know, if you, if you drink too much Gatorade, you can't own a gun. I mean, it, it, there's gotta be some kind of, some kind of uh, uh, uh,
0: limiting principle. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. Listen, Chuck, unfortunately, my limiting principle is uh, I'm running out of time here. So, um, I will say thank you again for joining me on the program. I know we're going to be having you back again very soon. There's, as you say, there's stuff going on all over the country that the Second Amendment Law Center is involved in, California Rifle and Pistol Association, obviously uh, ground zero for a, a lot of the anti-gun efforts uh, the, uh, the state of California well, yeah, this so. is. so a
1: hot week in the, in the Sacramento. This is the hot week. Okay. He's up there pushing stuff that he's pushing his baby. So there's going to be some bad stuff coming through. There'll be another round of legal challenges that we have to file.
0: Well, we had Rick Travis on uh, just a few days ago, and I know we're going to be having Rick on again here very soon. So, again, man, I appreciate uh, you carving out a few minutes of your day today. And uh, I would encourage folks, head over to Second Amendment Law Center. uh, And, again, you know, help out. This is – we're in the fight. Well, thank you, as always, to Chuck Michelle for joining us on the program and looking forward to uh, having him back again here in the not-too-distant future. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day. And our recidivist report will start there. Not really a true recidivist report, but still a head-scratching sentence out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. An 18-year-old sentenced to one-year probation for a robbery in downtown Ann Arbor, as well as gun charges. You know, we've been hearing from Democrats in Michigan that, uh, oh my gosh, we need all these uh, new gun laws on the books, right? Don't have enough, and yet, when it comes to enforcing the existing laws, what's happening? Slaps on the wrist. Jeremiah Fassin sentenced to one-year probation each for charges of larceny, carrying a concealed weapon, as well as two counts of stealing a financial transaction device. The charges all were felonies. He could have faced 23 years in prison. Now, I don't know that an 18-year-old in a first offense should result in uh, two decades behind bars, but, boy, there's a big gulf between probation and 23 years in prison, isn't there? Fasen pleaded guilty to all four counts back on July the 11th. He was sentenced, though, this week in a hearing before Judge Carol Cooney in the uh, Washtenaw County Circuit Court. Uh, According to Ann Arbor authorities, police were called out to uh, the intersection of East Washington Street and South 4th Avenue back on May the 8th for reports of a strong-arm robbery. A 54-year-old woman from Ohio said she was walking down the street when she was approached by a guy who grabbed her purse and then began running down the street. She wasn't injured, thankfully. I uh, Didn't recognize her assailant. Her credit cards were used at several businesses in Ann Arbor. Police used surveillance footage from one of the businesses to identify and It was found on a bus that had stopped at the uh, local bus hub there in Ann Arbor. The still had the woman's purse and the uh, stolen or the, I guess, the, the illicitly purchased items. Uh, what officers apprehended him. He was also carrying an unregistered loaded firearm with an extended magazine, according to police. Remember, all of those laws are supposedly desperately needed, right? We have to register our firearms. Can't have a "quote unquote" large capacity magazine. Oh no, 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 no. And these are very serious offenses, according to the Democrats who put and the gun control activists who demanded these laws, right? And yet here we are, Mr. Fassan, charged with those counts, and uh, ultimately. Yeah, no consequences for that whatsoever. Judge Cooney said, clearly your actions had a significant impact on the person whose purse you stole that night. Remember that your actions hurt people. I, 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 I hope that he does. But again, I, given the uh, lack sentence here, I'm not sure that that message is really going to sink in. Uh, hopefully, this is the last time we hear from uh, Mr. Fassen who, uh, again, the beneficiary of one sweetheart deal in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Today's uh armed citizen story from Louisiana where two men were arrested after an attempted burglary in which the uh, homeowner was able to hold one of those suspects until police arrived it happened in Amite, Louisiana or Amite, Louisiana, excuse me. Uh two men arrested Wednesday after trying to break into a home there in uh, Amite. Officials say that the St. Helena Parish uh Sheriff's Office dispatched to reports of a burglary in progress. And uh, by the time they arrived, they found that the uh, homeowner, again, had one of those suspects uh, held at gunpoint. Deputies have already identified the two suspects, even though they only have one in custody. Uh, Mickey Parnell and uh, Larry Joe Myrick, believed to be the uh, suspected burglars. According to the sheriff, the homeowner held one suspect at gunpoint. The other fled to a wooded area. A uh, homeowner contacted law enforcement and multiple agencies, ended up uh, actually taking that second suspect into custody. So they, uh, I, I stand corrected. They are both now uh, at the uh, St. Helena Parish Jail, both charged with simple burglary, criminal damage, and criminal trespassing. The homeowner not facing any charges at all. In fact, uh, I'd like to think he's going to get accommodation or official recognition from the uh, local sheriff. Finally, today's good deed of the day in the right place, at the right time, not able to do the right thing, A uh, officer in Sheffield Village, Ohio, who helped save two men from a uh, house fire. Uh, they were asleep in the home at the time when the officers saw the fire outside. There's a, a shot from the officer's body cam. Apparently a, a fire pit uh, in the back of the house had not been fully extinguished and uh, ended up catching the home on fire. Patrolman Kevin Bing was uh, out on patrol when he spotted the glow of the fire behind that home. He uh, went to take a look, saw that the uh, flames were starting to spread. He had a small fire extinguisher, and he tried to extinguish the blaze himself, but was unable to do so. And then he realized, okay, I got to switch here from trying to put out the fire to trying to get the folks inside that home out. So he uh, opened the front door, called out to a guy who was sleeping on the couch. Hey, man, your house is on fire. Get out. Guy wakes up, really? She says, Yeah. Oh, bleep, says the guy before he uh, takes off. Man ran outside, but his roommate was still asleep in a back bedroom. So the uh, patrolman uh, started pounding on his window uh, and uh, was a little disoriented, didn't quite understand what was going on at first, but uh, within a couple of minutes or moments, rather, did understand the gravity of the situation and uh, headed outside as well. Uh, Sheffield Village Police Chief William Vizaldon says the biggest issue here, the lack of working smoke detectors inside the home. So without law enforcement present, would they have ever been notified? Would they have ever found out before it was too late? No doubt in my mind, two lives were saved due to the actions of Kevin Bring. So there you go, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save two lives. Kevin Bring there in uh, Sheffield Village, Ohio. We Thank you, sir, for your very, very good deed now that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Barry and arms cam and company but don't forget to check out barionarms.com throughout the day we're keeping you up to date on all of the latest segment news and information from all across the nation i'll be back with another edition of cam and company on monday but we'll be updating the website throughout the weekend we've got the latest on tennessee's special session it looks like a special session uh, may expire without any new gun control measures passing so we'll uh Get you caught up on those stories and more. I got to go answer that phone call now, but uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.